Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, the big news today is that Aaron Rodgers uh, is on the verge of being traded to the Jets to the point that compensation has apparently been worked out. We're going to dive into that in greater detail coming up here as we head through the rest of the show. But we have got you covered on that. Another big thing that's happening this week is that Greg Matzik will golf 100 holes coming up on Thursday for the MAC Fund. And it's a fundraiser, and we need to help Grego raise some money. So this is the easiest way. Money goes to help the MAC Fund. If Greg can raise $7,500, he's going to grow his hair back. And none of us have any idea what that might look like. Do you have any idea what that might look like? Uh, no. Um, I, I think it'd be like a horseshoe kind of thing going on, maybe. <laughs> I know it'll come back because I do put a bick to my head every couple of days. And hair comes You off. shave your head with a bick razor? I do. Well, it's like a five razor, like whatever, the five blades. Is it just because okay, well, it's the closest one. shave? Why do you use the razor? Oh, yeah, nice and tight, man. Yeah. Really nice and clean. It does Be- look Much good. better than clippers. I have sliced my legs silly with a bick yeah, razor. Yeah, ever, I've never seen you with a nick. Oh, that must yeah. happen occasionally. Uh, more so in the like in the back where I can't really see it. Can you do freehand? No mirror. Can you just? Like, I do. Yeah, I do yeah. in the shower. It's nice. Impressive. Yeah. Very. Impressive. But my wife has never seen me with hair, ever. It's kind of hot, and isn't neither it? Neither have my kids. <laughs> um, and in fact, I would guess that most people listening have never seen me with hair. So I think we came. We boiled it down to Jeff Wagner, Eric Bilstad, our two engineers, John Tyler and Scotty Pfeiffer, and maybe Vetrano, the only people in this building who have seen me with hair. I think I've seen you with hair. You might have. Mm-hmm. You were a big deal. Ninety. You are I a was big not deal. a number. <laughs> I yeah. was just a little producer running around. Um, but yeah, that's no. the idea. So if we can get to seventy five hundred dollars raised, I will spend at least one month growing my hair back. So we talked about this on Friday's program, John, and we ended up raising about a thousand dollars on awesome. Friday, and so we're up to fifty five hundred fifty dollars raised. That's great. So we're getting a little closer. And the easiest way to be a part of this, if you're able to contribute $5, $10, if you're a company that might offer a match, great, let us know. Uh, but text the word GOLF to 855-616-1620. That's the easiest way to get the information sent to your phone very safely and securely. You'll get my donation page. So text the word GOLF to 855-616-1620. And it's kind of our final push here. We've got a, a yep. few days until the event begins, the morning of... Uh, Thursday, April 27th. Looks like a nice weather day. And we're just a little under $2,000 away from our goal. All right, guys, you got to see this. So one of our listeners sent me a picture of Greg um, from 1996. Oh, my god! With hair. With hair. A very handsome man. This is, look, this is Greg with hair. I've put it on my Twitter. So go to my Twitter, John Merck here, and you can see Greg with hair. I've never seen Greg with hair. Oh, wow. I mean. He's handsome, isn't he? I, I'm not allowed to. Make comments because it's. I've had sensitivity training. <laughs> it's a good-looking man, though, isn't it? I mean, Objectively, if we if just pretend that it's just you and I sitting. Yeah. Right here. All right. Then what would you say? Hot. <laughs> so go to my Twitter and you can see a picture of Greg with hair. Where did he unearth that? Who sent that to you? Uh, let's see. Who sent this to me? Um, someone named Lori. She's anonymous. That? Lori Worden, W-E-R-D-I-N, and it just says, quite an athlete. And it's a picture of you running at the state track and field meet this, in 1996. Oh my God. Yeah, 1996, this was a state semifinal in the 400-meter dash. Go to my Twitter, John <laughs> Merck here. You can see Greg with hair. Uh, this is remarkable. I guarantee my hair will not look like that when I try and grow it back. I don't think I can get it that thick on top anymore. Well, we're going to try. Good. Let's raise we some money. Let's raise that money. Text the word golf. 
to 855-616-1620. Lane Grindle, up next. We're going to ask Lane a couple of questions about the Aaron Rodgers developments today and about that brew crew. That's straight ahead. Now batting for the Brewers Radio Network, play-by-play announcer Lane Grindle. Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Our guy Lane Grindle is with us. Good afternoon, Lane. What is going on? Great to be with you this afternoon. Hey, I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. Kind of a kind of a broader question. Not so much about, about Rodgers, I guess, but you know, you were a part of the Brewers organization when Josh Hader got traded. Kind of the face of the team, very popular player, very talented player. Uh, what's it like? And I'm now referring to Aaron Rodgers. When a guy who's been the face of the team and has really been the franchise for a long time suddenly is no longer a part of the locker room, what's that adjustment like? Yeah, it's different. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way you can get around that. I think the, the situations are certainly different. Um, uh, Josh was a closer and, and, and an all-time great at that, but uh, Aaron Rodgers has done it for longer, and he's been I mean, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, obviously. So uh, they are a little different situations in terms of what the impact probably is uh, around the team, but... Um, it was it was different. Josh was a big part of the success the Brewers had had over those handful of years, and so it took a little bit to get used to it. And you, you, you eventually wake up and say, everybody's got a job to do. you got to go do your job and do it the best that you can, and you rally around the people that are in your clubhouse or in, in, in the NFL's case, the locker room. And I, and I think that's what you'll probably see the Packers do. I think with this, it's been so drawn out for so long, just the... The fact that you can finally get some closure on it will be healthy for everybody. Yeah, I think that's that's right, Lane. Here, the timing of it all, right? I, the hater trade appeared more stunning. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Uh, though his long-term future was in question. Rogers' long-term future always seems to be in question, including still today. Uh, but the off-season nature, it, it, it probably is a little bit easier to get, you know, time in between when you have to take the field versus when the deal was done. Yeah, I think that's. That, that's that's a fair assessment as well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's to me they're just they're different. You, you knew probably with Josh that at some point he was going to get moved. That's how the business of baseball works, especially with relievers, because of the you know if we were going to compare it to football, you know, relievers are a little bit like running backs in the NFL. The window's a little shorter typically, and so um, you don't always see relievers get that big contract from the team they come up with. A lot of times they get moved somewhere at some point in the last two years of their arbitration and uh, then they get the big deal when they finally get to free agency if they've been able to stay healthy enough and and you hope for those guys' sake that that's been the case. But um, yeah, it's certainly interesting. I I was in the clubhouse when the Rodgers deal went down today, so I was like one of the last people to find out about it, and people were buzzing about it. I'm like, what am I missing here? (laughs) And then I finally found out that the deal became official today. Well, you made it back from a long road trip, which is great. Uh, I know Levering ate some grasshoppers on a TV broadcast. Uh, Did Mm -hmm. you not go down that path, Lane? I didn't. He offered me the grasshoppers. I punted. Um, at that opportunity. I had no real interest, like none at all. Now, hey, now, like, don't don't play it slow here, Greg. You, 
you got a chance to take in some crab last night that Levering brought back from Seattle as well. So, I, so, so he was feeding everybody. So that was he was a, feeding you crab. He was offering me crickets. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that, that worked out. That worked out pretty well. Uh, I, I thought that was a little risky to buy crab from the uh, Pike's Place fish market and then carry it on the team plane home. I thought that was yeah. a bit of a risky move. <laughs> it was a very aggressive move. That's a year nine move. I don't know if it's a year eight move yeah. for me. This is my eighth year. It's year nine for Levering, so I think that was a year nine move. Hey, you mentioned, the, you mentioned the bullpen lane here. It, it, by and large, been very good here for the Brewers. Uh, a a big-time hiccup yesterday, and then roster moves associated. One more of an injury, one just kind of a DFA. Overall, where do you think this bullpen is, and, and is Craig still trying to figure some things out? Well, I think every team in baseball is probably still with some roles that are being defined. What those roles are might vary from team to team, but um, the one thing the Brewers have is they know they got the ninth inning figured out with Devin Williams, and I think they have a lot of confidence in the seventh or eighth inning, depending on how the, the game is unfolding, and Peter Strzelecki, because he's been outstanding. And Hobie Milner's following up a great season last year and giving them a great left-handed option that they can use for leverage outs late. Um, the Bush hiccup yesterday was disappointing, no doubt. He goes on the injured list today. And Craig Council talked about Javi Guerra today, and I thought he had a good answer where he said, look, we really liked the arm. And we liked the arm in spring training. We still really like the arm. But it's hard to develop at the major league level because we're looking for results, and, and they hadn't been there. And if Javi Guerra had options, the Brewers un, you know, unquestionably would have optioned him and let him go down and try to work on some things. But he didn't have that ability. They had to designate him for assignment um, to make room for somebody else. So we'll see if Jake Cousins can find that 2021 form. The slider's still big. It still plays. If he can command the fastball, I think he's a guy I still believe that can have a lot of success at this level and be a leverage guy for the Brewers before it's all said and done. And another lefty's always a good thing. And so bringing Alex Claudio back up um, after a couple of years away from the organization, a guy that everybody's familiar with and pretty popular guy in the clubhouse as well, I think is another nice move. Brewers broadcaster Lane Grindle, we love when you're with us on Mondays. Lane, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed the track talk before I came on as well. I'm a fellow track guy. I was I was impressed nice. with uh, Greg's Greg's accomplishments. Yeah, go to my Twitter and check out the picture. It's pretty amazing, Greg with hair. Nineteen ninety six state wait. semifinal in the four hundred meter dash. I did awesome. not know the picture your, existed. What was your time? What was your time in the quarter mile? Uh, so it was a very windy day that day, and I think I qualified for finals with like a fifty point six. I won regionals and sectionals oh, with like a fifty point two. Don't apologize for that. That's really good. That's good. Uh, it, it, times went down in college, so that's for sure. It seems like kids are faster these days than they were back yeah. then. Better than me. My times went up in college. Oh. So. <laughs> Lane Grindle. Have, have, have a good call. Oh, there you go. That's a good point. That's good point. Yeah. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. It appears that the Aaron Rodgers trade is very close to uh, being completed, compensations being reported by different outlets. Jason Wildey, Wildey and Tausch, 9 a.m. to noon on ESPN Milwaukee, is with us on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. All right, Wildey, what's your uh, initial takeaway from what we know at this point? Yeah, they, they'll have the deal done by Thursday when the first round begins. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does have to take a physical, that is, why Brian Gutekunst told us uh, that this has to be done tomorrow because they have to have that physical where Rogers passes it and is ready to go. And, and 
you know, if you remember a long, long, long time ago, uh, Ron Wolf traded for Brett Favre, and Brett Favre actually flunked his physical with the Packers uh, after his 30 feet of intestine were removed and everything else. And Ron Wolf told him, pass him anyway. I want the guy. We're making the trade. So even if Aaron <laughs> Rodgers has uh, a sore toe or something else, uh, I think that's just a formality. It was interesting to listen to uh, Greg's report, though, because you know I heard him say uh, wiping this behemoth of a contract off their books. And there's no doubt that they are removing a, a big encumbrance of their salary cap. Uh, I do think it's worth pointing out that in successive off-seasons, Brian Gutekunst has traded away two players that he believes are pro football Hall of Famers, Devontae Adams last year, now Aaron Rodgers uh, in the coming days. And so uh, for whatever cap savings and whatever opportunity it creates for Jordan Love, uh, he didn't want to admit that they're rebuilding. Maybe he doesn't see it that way. But it's hard to imagine that the same team that was on the verge of a Super Bowl uh, losing to Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game in January of 2021 now has traded away two Hall of Fame players and are whatever you want to say they are right now as a team. Jason, my biggest takeaway from the reported compensation plan is – that it has nothing to do with what happens to Rodgers after the upcoming season. It, it only based upon how many snaps he plays this season, uh, if indeed Adam Schefter's report is accurate. Did that surprise you in any way? No, I, I thought that the, the Jets would have to give up their search for uh, 2025 give back in case Rodgers didn't play in 2024. Obviously, uh, it would have been very hard to include some sort of 2024 afraid because Rodgers might not decide whether he's playing in 2024 until after the 2024 draft. So this, to me, I, I thought that that would be one of the things that the Jets would have to compromise on. Just like they compromised, as Tausch and I were talking about this morning, I, I just never thought they were going to be able to put the restriction on the first-round pick of they have to make it to the AFC championship game in order for it to go from a second to a first. I always thought Brian Gutekunst would have to give in on demanding a flat-out, unconditional first-round pick in 2024. He obviously did. He does move up two slots with this pick swap that Mark Tauscher has been talking about for months, and now it's come to fruition from 15 to 13. But I always thought that they would have to lessen the requirements to make that 2024 second-round pick a first-round pick, and that's exactly what they're doing. Again, uh, Adam had it that it would be Rodgers has to play 69% of the snaps this coming season in order for it to become a first-round pick. Uh, That protects the Jets that if Rodgers, at age 39, turning 40 on December 2nd, suffers a major injury in Week 5, they don't have to give up a super high first-round pick for a guy that's not playing for them much this season. Hey, Wilde, quickly, so we have a poll question up. Now that he's been traded, finish this sentence, I am happy or I am sad? Those are the only two choices. 77% say happy. Um, what's been the sentiments, by and large, I know it's hard to generalize, on Wilde and Tausch? Yeah, I think that's consistent. I mean, it's been over 70%. Uh, 
uh, every time we've had any sort of poll regarding him uh, and your eagerness for him to be gone. Um, again, going back to Greg's phrase, I, I think that there are a lot of people that feel that way, that they have rid themselves. And, and one of the questions that I asked Brian Gutekunst that I've been waiting to ask him, I didn't think I was going to ask him it today because I didn't think the trade was going to happen today, um, was you said to us during the bye week that from the moment you walked into this building, you were taught that whatever comes with a great quarterback, it's worth it. And I asked him if it ever became not worth it to him. And I do think for fans, and I do think for Goody, if he's being honest, that they put up with a lot of stuff that they didn't like about Aaron Rodgers because they were winning. And last year they didn't win. And that opened this opportunity. I will be very surprised if he does not play extremely well for the Jets. Uh, I just, again, have said this many times in the past several weeks. Uh, the level of celebration of getting rid of one of the greatest players in your franchise's history, I don't understand that. But it has happened, and now we'll see what happens to this organization moving forward. Jason Wilde, you can check out Wilde and Tausch, 9 a.m. to noon on ESPN Milwaukee. Jason, always great perspective. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Take care. Be good. The Milwaukee Film Festival is returning for its 15th year. It's already returned. It's underway. been going on for a couple of days. Jonathan Jackson is the CEO, and he's with us live in the studio. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Love to talk movies. 15 years. This is amazing. It's such a gem for our city. <laughs> What's the biggest evolution been? in the 15 years uh well you know i've been privileged lucky to be here since the beginning uh leading the organization but i think the biggest was when we acquired the oriental theater so the nonprofit milwaukee film which puts on the milwaukee film festival we signed a 50-year lease to take over one of the great movie palaces in the world the oriental theater ran a fundraising campaign to restore it and now just this past april it was actually listed on the national historic registry which we're very proud of that's amazing i think it's really interesting to see the energy that the film festival is getting and i would say that really truly the luminaries of milwaukee society are very (laughs) involved they are they're very energized by the film festival why do you think that is what is making it special uh my my take on that is that there are so few places today where people of all different backgrounds, all walks of life, all places of the city convene together, convene around something that anybody that is accessible. You know, it's affordable to go to the film festival. Everybody can go. And there's also content that anybody can like. There's a crazy silent film about a drunk lumberjack who chases beavers to a very serious documentary looking at the Monfil sick and six and that murder trial in green Bay. Um, there's just a whole range of films you can see in the festival. It's fun. It's serious. And you're right. I mean, we were founded by Chris Abley went on to become County executive of Milwaukee. I say he, you know, cut his teeth as board chair of Milwaukee film before doing that. A little bit of a joke, uh, but we've had an incredible board. Uh, our current board chair, Susan Michelet, is a rock star, in my opinion. I agree with that. <laughs> but uh, very much in love with the festival, and we're we're doing great this year. Ticket sales nearly fifty percent increased over last wow. year. A uh, number of sellouts, and you and know, no COVID. 
<laughs> yes. Right? Don't even say oh. that word. Sorry. You know, as as somebody, but you're back. You're back in oh, person. It has to feel so good. I mean, it's tears of joy. Um, and what I have to say is, you know, my single purpose is to smush people together indoors. And that kind of sucked for a few years running an arts organization that strived to do that. But we're back. We're proud. There's sellouts. And it's just that chemistry of 200 people in a packed house or a thousand people in our main house yeah. packed together watching a movie that they wouldn't see otherwise. And then. The chemistry that happens afterward, the conversations, the the stars, the celebrities, and the people who come into town. It's just an exciting atmosphere you can only find during the Milwaukee Film Festival. So almost 300 movies, 51 countries in the Oriental, Time Cinema, the Avalon. Do you have a favorite film genre? Uh, personally, I mean, I love European uh, cinema. I love European art cinema. Uh, I can be a little snob myself, a little snobbish, but, you know, just want to stress that the festival, you know, we have something for everything. And we're really excited about our closing night movie this year. Uh, it's called A Disturbance in the Force. And this happens on May 4th, happens mm -hmm. to be closing night. Any Star Wars fans yeah. may know that May, may 4th. 4th, may the 4th be with mm -hmm. you. Well, A Disturbance in the Force is a documentary about a little-known, little-seen thing that George Lucas wants destroyed and forgotten from memory. It was a holiday Star Wars special that was filmed in the 70s that was a train wreck. It was on CBS, <laughs> and George Lucas has tried to prevent it from ever being seen again, and this documentary tries to bring it back to light and showcase it, profiles it, interviews all the stars, ah. and it's just a riot. And anyone who's into Star Wars, and I think there are a few of those people uh -huh. around here, this is must-see. Uh, that's closing night on May the 4th. Be with you. <laughs> and tonight is, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret? Do you screen uh, the more um, commercial films? Uh, it's everything. It's we, everything. We really screen everything. Uh, tonight, uh, actually, in about a half an hour, I think, uh, are you, God, there, it's me, Margaret, screens. And that's sold out. Uh, it's a film on standby, as we say. So maybe a few tickets will open up. Uh, but that's a, a, a big movie that'll be released in theaters a couple weeks later. There's several of those films that you can see first at the Milwaukee Film Festival. MKEFilm.org. That's the website. MKEFilm.org. Tickets there, information there. I was on the website today. It's an absolutely incredible website. It's fun. It's interesting. MKEFilm.org. Check it out. There's something for everyone there. You put it perfectly, Jonathan. Jonathan Jackson is the CEO of Milwaukee Film. It's so good to have you here, Jonathan. It's so good not to talk Aaron Rodgers for a couple of minutes. <laughs> we thank you for that. Well, I mean, if you want to weigh in, you can. Well, you know, as a diehard Cleveland Browns fan, <laughs> I'm excited for it to flip and for the Packers to be the sad team for a little while. Oh, Jonathan. Wah, wah. <laughs> thank you. It's always good to see you, Jonathan. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure.